Exes for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody and welcome back to X's for Podcast, the show where we take a look at Marvel's Merry Mutants through their many titles each week. I'm Nico, and you guys can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And today we have some of the best titles coming out of the X-Books. First up, we have New Mutants being covered by Rod, Raven, Robbie, and Dante. And I loved the coverage of this issue. I loved this issue. Vita and Rod Race are, well, Vita Ayala and Rod Race are just killing it with this material. Week after week, developing these characters. One of the hardest things about the New Mutants is how exactly to keep defining newness. And this idea that the New Mutants was a time and it focuses on those characters is something that we're never going to really break free of as X fans, yet their wealth of new characters that the creative team is introducing between further exploration of Gabby or the development of the very new Cosmar, not to mention reinventing the Shadow King, a character who is deeply linked to a number of the New Mutants, as well as the title itself. This has just been a home run knockout the entire time. We hope you guys enjoy this coverage as much as we enjoyed the issue. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of X's for Podcasts. I'm Rod. You can find me at Rod, the on Twitter and Instagram. And today with us, we have Robbie. Hey, everyone. I'm Robbie, and you can find me at Age of Polaris on Twitter. Raven, where can we find you? Hey, I'm Raven, a.k.a. Dame Red Bento. You can find me all over Twitter. Just type it on in. Uh, and, you know, I'm all over the internets as well. Also with us today, we have Dante. Hey, everyone. I'm Dante, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at inferno magic today we'll be talking about <laughs> the new new mutants issue issue 15 by vida ayala rob reyes is the artist and vcs travis lanham is the letterer now this is the second issue with vida ayala and rod reyes and i absolutely loved it like we get more of the team working together the students working together mm-hmm. and we get doug locks you know wedding reception <laughs> and (laughs) all that together and we get more insight on the shadow king's history and then Mm -hmm. we even get more emotional depth of rain her struggle because i've been worrying wondering about that why is she so happy all the time now we understand that she's actually not so i love this episode this issue it had a lot of emotional depth for only a 25 page issue Mm. comic book and it seemed a lot longer than that yeah and like in like the best ways possible i it honestly feels like you're reading like a 32 two pager because mm-hmm. there's just there's so much depth going on and there was so much like emotional depth going on between uh scout and rain and farouk it was like oh my god there's there's so much there and oh even cosmar it's like oh my goodness like there's so much going on but you don't feel rushed through it it was absolutely oh it's delicious i love it yeah i absolutely love what vita is able to do by 
like having so much in here but having just the right amount of scene space to where it doesn't feel like one character is getting like too much mm-hmm. time of an issue where it's overshadowing other characters mm-hmm. there's definitely a right amount of placement yeah 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 oh, i agree exactly. absolutely the pacing is what works so well too mm-hmm. it doesn't feel slow and muted like everything transitions so nicely into the next scene and exactly what everyone else is saying like we're getting so much content in such a small amount of space but it doesn't feel overwhelming mm-hmm. oh definitely definitely now the with the first page of the habitat being destroyed mm-hmm. and, you know <laughs> ha- magic having her moment like what the <laughs> f happened here i'm assuming she said what the fuck like it just, yeah. <laughs> yeah but like and i love that i love that panel my favorite panel honestly of this issue probably but who do we think do we think the bullies are cosmog and you know aqua boy and all them I don't know. I think some things were on fire, so I'm not necessarily sure that it, it was, was Cosmar a... and and her group. Uh-huh. But I mean, there there is the half chance that it was, or it could have been one of the older kids that we kind of saw a little bit later on working with Synergy, uh-huh. because some of them did seem kind of like standoffish and and not really willing to be you know nice and kind and and uh, personable to each other. So yeah, I think it it might be one of the new kids who are slightly older and just being you know themselves <laughs> yeah because they haven't learned like the rules of Krakoa and how the society functions just yet but yeah like the the younger kids like they wanted to sort of tell the truth but at the same point in time they were stopped from telling the truth and they made up that really quick you know that quick story that kids make up and you're like mm, yeah we know you're lying come on um but yeah like the fact that that magic was there with her blunt self and you know she's like oh oh no this is not gonna stand they're like what it wasn't against the rules so what are you gonna it's like yeah no first of all it was against the rules it's harming krakoa krakoa is making all of this and this is not how we function as a society plus i hate bullies so this is gonna be fun i'm like oh she's gonna mess somebody up oh yeah oh yeah she definitely is and i i love that they're having magic in this role of mm-hmm. it's been so long like so much of a character buildup of her you know being a leader not being a child anymore and not being so like aggressively you know selfish with everything like she's actually caring about everybody else now and now she's actually being or trying to be a mentor for the younger mutants and saying hey like you know you can be rough but we still got to respect each other Mm -hmm. i love that absolutely she's like a big sister it's kind of nice so i i hope i'm I'm sure we're going to get more of the the bully situation the next issue that's like the arc that's mm-hmm. gonna like continue that, oh yeah it's like a little stopping point mm-hmm. but it was very interesting on the next page when mm-hmm. shadow king when we see shadow king prepping you know cosmoc and her group to get ready for the crucible like mm-hmm. i was i was really shocked by that i was like wow so that's what he's planning yeah and like oh man that i'm just like the crucible is not something kids really participate in and i mean i know they're like you know teenagers older teenagers but still i'm like that's kind of young and that's not what they tend to use the crucible for so yeah that's that's like a little insidious that he's pushing her to do that 
Yeah. But I wonder if part of that, part of the reason is maybe him knowing that the request is going to be rejected and mm. he was the one who was supportive and everyone else is going to be turning Cosmar away, which yeah. means he might be drawing her closer to him, you know, with, <sighs> you know, she'll, she'll respect him more. She'll go to him for more things. So mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you know, sowing the seeds of distrust with the rest of the island and building mm-hmm. up his own rapport with the kids. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What I'll say about Shadow King is that I ain't never trust him one day in my life. I didn't (laughs) trust him while playing X-Men Legends when I was eight years old, and I don't trust him now. (laughs) I don't know. I mean... He has that sinister, like, mm-hmm. it, 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 the colors show you that he, mm-hmm. this is an evil plan of his, like, well, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Like, mm-hmm. even if she does get approved, I'm sure he has a plan for both if she doesn't, and if she does. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking if Cosmog, obviously she doesn't get approved in this issue, but if she would have got approved, and they would have, you know, killed her and, re- like, had her reborn, given, going a little bit ahead of the issue, given what we know about, you know, Farouk and how the shadow took over him, yeah. I think the shadow might be looking for, like, another host and yeah. cosmog has crazy potential of power yeah so i, I mean I like she's a reality bender yeah like that could be dangerous in in the shadow's hands and if we think about least. it with the shadow king he's always tried to manipulate reality but he's always had to go a different route he could never really mm-hmm. do it himself he had to use somebody else to do it mm-hmm. one well, and, and what was it uh not only has the shadow seen other worlds but he even though he could see other worlds he can't feel he can't touch those realities um and 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 kind of feel what's going on but cosmar bends reality she twists it however she wants especially depending on her emotion so if the i think if shadows were to take her as a new host they would then have a way to bend whatever reality they're in but also probably feel whatever reality they're in which is like scary oh definitely and going on another character in this panel i i feel like i know i know vita is going to touch on this later but mm-hmm. i think we're just seeing the seeds of why he's doing this of, mm-hmm. of anol like anol should be sad about rock slide right like that was his best friend that's the one person that really accepted him um when he came out as gay at first and that mm-hmm. he could talk to and was that was his pal that was his that i would have been like maybe even his lover if rock slide was gay so <laughs> like that yeah. would have been a whole thing but i think that's i think that's why he He's, is easier to manipulate by the Shadow King right now because he's in that vulnerable spot and he's just like giving in to his you know aggression instead of his sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think he's I don't think he's grieving. Uh-uh. And yeah, that that makes him a little bit easier to manipulate because you know all Farouk has to do is give him an ear that'll listen, you know, kind of um, play into that sadness. You know, and Anoli is is young and dealing with a lot of emotion so yeah i think he's just he's just bendable enough that he can be manipulated by shadow king especially with everything that's been going on oh definitely. yeah not to mention like it i i i know i'm not alone in thinking it's weird that we've never seen him on panel really um lamenting the loss of of you know rock slide and so this gives another context for why maybe we haven't been seeing that and i so appreciate that i so appreciate that there's something else happening with him uh and things aren't quite normal so the fact that we haven't seen him, you know, really, you know, 
breaking down or having an emotional moment. Uh, I love that someone is doing something with the character. I think the best part about that is that even though we're not seeing it in X Factor, right, where, where that was the big story, we're getting it in another book. So it just shows more of that community of Krokoa and we're getting we're getting bits of the story in different places. So we were just talking about how Anol is not an X Factor and then we, on the next page, we actually go over to the, the Boneyard itself mm-hmm. with Aurora and Dakin. So, mm-hmm. and we did have a little debate on Twitter this week on how you everyone pronounces Dakin. <laughs> I think I, I I obviously say Dakin. What do y'all? Mm-hmm. How do y'all pronounce his name? Dakin. 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 Okay. okay. Well, maybe I should say Dakin. I'm gonna I'm I gonna mean, say Dakin now. <laughs> I think it's either or. It's a, it's a little bit of a the accent issue. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm country boy. It's Dakin doesn't feel right in my mouth. It's like. Oh, <laughs> but either way. <laughs> A little, a little innuendo there saying Dawkins doesn't feel right in my mouth. That's <laughs> so. <laughs> Rod, you're doing it wrong. That's how I can say to that. You must be doing it wrong. I must. Wait, be. now I'm gonna have to tell, say Dakin from now on because <laughs> I'm never gonna get that out of my head. <laughs> it looks like Aurora is actually looking to get some Dakin too mm. because they're both on the couch, you know, being like, "Ooh, you know, I felt your hormones. They, you needed some space, but space with me, right? Not just space alone." And she's like, "Yeah." Oh my god, right. I took it. I took it as so much more sweet and friendly. Yes, a little bit sexy, but I took that as so much more like sweet and friendly because oh, she yeah. has been kind of overloaded lately True. and she did need some time and space and True. it was it's nice that he actually did pick up on the fact that she's like stressed uh-huh. and and needs to like have her space and maybe somebody to talk to uh-huh. so I, I i took that i took it <laughs> so much more friendly and less i i think it is very i think it is very friendly like it, it he definitely did it <laughs> He, but like, friendly but not sleazy or creepy you know? yeah no yeah. like oh like Dakin actually has feelings for her I would definitely believe mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but they're alone together and she's sitting across this like big there hairy guy it's like I, it, it's good it's it's turning a little bit into the mountain you know so <laughs> yeah but then it gets interrupted by Gabby so. oh scout oh man oh. scout oh it's, it's very like your know, sitcom how she's like hey interrupting yes. sex scene <laughs> oh and, oh i i feel sorry well not sorry sorry for her but like i feel so bad for her because she's she's literally just looking for somebody to like talk to hang out chill she's got a little bit of downtime before she has to be at class so like i understand how uh how how she wants to like spend some time with her i guess technically big brother um but yeah like he's like um <clears throat> trying to spend some time with <clears throat> go away small child <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and i love that they actually gave them that relationship because i feel like mm-hmm. gabby is definitely the character to humanize Dokken mm-hmm. a little bit because you know obviously Dokken has done some horrible things oh. so <laughs> but oh. who hasn't on krakoa so you know this is a time for characters to that want to be better to be better mm-hmm. and it looks like he wants to be better and i'm glad they're giving him that chance yeah 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 i agree i i feel like from what i what little i knew about Dokken before coming into the dawn of x era 
Aurora, um, his relationship and treatment with and towards Aurora has been the most surprising thing. And mm. like he, I feel like we are seeing like a really sensitive, emotional side of him. And he is trying to build a, a real connection. And seeing that continued here as well, like, you know, that he lives, he lives in the boneyard with all of his teammates. So he probably doesn't get a lot of alone time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think every, every moment to him might be really precious because he is building something new with Aurora. And it's just so unfortunate because Gabby is so precious as well. I feel like she deserves some of that time too. But, you know, and, and I mean, I don't know how much time has actually passed, but Laura's been gone for a long time. <laughs> You know, and like that's Gabby's real, you know, close relationship that that we've seen. And Mm so just seeing this basically this little kid, you know, craving some um, attention is it's kind of heartbreaking, you know, so I feel for Gabby. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Gabby's like one of my newest favorite during that whole X-Men run of like blue, gold and all that. Gabby was one of my favorite newcomers of Mm -hmm. me. And to see her be so sad, (laughs) it's so hard, but it's good for her because it's going to develop her character more. But I'm just like... Like, can we get past this already? I want happy Gabby. <laughs> right? Like, I, I would much rather have, like, happy, healthy characters. But yeah, it's like, it's really tough for her. Because even um, when there were, uh, when she went to class and she was working on, you know, she was supposed to work on synergy with oh, uh, yeah. the other teammates. Like, she's trying to be friendly, even though she's, you know, a little too extra at points. Um, but yeah, it's just, she gets absolutely smacked down as far as the friendship lines go. And it's like, oh this kid just cannot win today and i feel for her because you know i think a lot of us have been there at some time or another oh definitely and and going to those pages right now i i love the the teamwork vita and rod do together because i i love that vita brought these characters in from x-man i mean they existed before um a little bit but we haven't really seen them they were supposed to be on you know genosha but you know there's there was 16 million mutants from genosha so you can pull from that that bucket a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but I love it because they said on Twitter, actually, that those characters, I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't find it because uh, we all tweet a lot on Twitter. So things get lost. <laughs> <laughs> but those those characters are, I think they said some of them are going to be trans and mm-hmm. um, and non-gender uh, binary. And yeah, a, Cam. Yeah. Cam was a they instead of a, mm-hmm. a gender binary. I was like, oh, yay. I know. <laughs> that made I, me happy. I'm really excited about that that i i we need more representation especially with the mutant community Mm -hmm. and with the mutants that don't look like humans like don't just make Mm -hmm. the human looking ones more the representation make the you know less human standard the representation too Mm -hmm. yeah and and no surprise that vita is the person who's going to do it well and do it right Mm -hmm. introducing the character and not it's not a big deal it's it's just how it is and Mm -hmm. introducing cam and having a friend of cam refer to cam as they i mean it's so simple but it's also very impactful uh-huh. and I love that I love seeing that yeah we the representation it really does matter and mm-hmm. it's so important to to see that on these pages yeah exactly yes. I love that a lot because uh it's something that's also very very overdue in X-Men mm-hmm. Agreed. so it's about damn time and I'm really happy to see Vita being that writer to introduce this 
Oh yes, yeah. So and I'm perfect. I'm glad with the, the with the new mutant people are discovering Vita more because Vita deserves mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because they are an amazing writer. And with their teamwork with Rod with these synergy pages, oh, they are just so gorgeous. Like I love the training sequences and then Rainboy and Shark Girl doing the synergy and mm-hmm. then Tempest and Armor doing that synergy. Oh, it's just yeah. This is what I want with the mutants and X-Men, and we're finally <laughs> getting more of it. <laughs> And I love the fact that they are training them young on how to combine their powers and work together because the younger you are and the quicker you learn this kind of, okay, well, what's your power? What's my power? Okay, how do we put these together and make them work even better? That means like in the future, it's going to be even stronger and and more like in tune and just clicks together. I'm like, oh, that's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah, this is how they survive. This is how mm-hmm. when things go bad on Krakoa, because we know it's coming. Everybody oh, knows yeah. it's coming. We oh, all yeah. want to be, you know, living in paradise, but we got to prepare. Mm-hmm. And when things hit the fan, you're going to be like, oh, well, you know what? We've been, we've been training. We even trained our young. We got you now. So... <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I know. And then I don't know about y'all, but Gabby being like the awkward friend <laughs> and getting turned yeah. down yeah. really reminded me of myself in high school. <laughs> mm, that 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 would probably be me in about mm, I'm gonna say grade school, middle school. Mm-hmm. Like anytime you'd have a, a new student come in or whatever, I'd be the you know person the fourth part. Hey, my name is and blah blah blah, and here's what's going on and. <laughs> I know I came off as a, a, a little bit extra at times because I definitely was. Well, yeah, like sometimes that's too much for a new person. And sometimes that person is just not interested in people at all. So, yeah, it's like, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, I'll go over here because, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, to- I totally felt her on that. Oh, I felt her on that so much. <laughs> Poor kid. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Dante, how did you feel about that whole situation? Yeah, no, I definitely, I sympathize with Gabby. <laughs> 100% like I am that person I put myself out there and feel awkward about it all the time I also just really appreciate the callback to Prisoner X from Age of X-Men I thought it was just phenomenal I think that might be one of the first stories by Vita that I read and I loved it I loved the direction I love anything referencing that that small time period for the X-Men kind of in that weird limbo stage before the dawn of X because I felt like we did get some great stories uh-huh. and I don't feel like a lot of that has been talked about so any involvement you know these characters that were there but not really there I, I love the idea for that that story in this oh yeah I definitely have to agree I love I personally love the um the age of x-men like um alternate reality but not alternate reality event like that was really fun and I'm glad we're not just at, at this point in time we're not just leaving it on the ground pretend like it didn't exist or it, that it happened that we're just not gonna pay attention to it because mm-hmm. even in Excalibur I think it was Excalibur they mention like they have a panel of you know Blob or Fred um, missing Betsy and mm-hmm. him and Betsy had like a really close connection in that whole event and then Gabby as we see in New Mutants had really close connection with these kids and had a whole like you know in Prisoner X a whole adventure with them and helped them mm-hmm. escape and all that other thing but the sad thing is that wasn't really them <laughs> like, that was basically all in Gabby's head because not everyone was quote unquote real in that mm-hmm. reality so. mm-hmm 
of thing. One of the things that when they happen in those alternate timeline, pocket, dimension, reality kind of events, and it's not just Age of X-Men, but I'm thinking uh, there have been some other instances, but there all, we get these great coupling dynamics or interactions between characters I feel like we're not used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And I wish that we would carry that over more often than, than we see. So even, even this, as small as it is with these relatively newish characters, I appreciate that that is still um, a dynamic that's there for Gabby. It's very one-sided, but not for them. Um, Because I think that does, it creates good story because I think we want to know you went through this shared experience or, or at least for Gabby, you know, she went through this experience. Like what were the repercussions of that? Because there are people that do remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like everyone basically remembers that was actually real there. I feel like some probably just choose not to remember. Like I'm sure Gene and Bishop are like, we're not going to, we're going to choose not to remember that we were, you know, sleeping with each other. So (laughs) that's exactly what I was thinking about. What a dynamic relationship they had in Age of X-Men. And I really wanted more of that. I wanted to explore because we didn't get enough of that because Bishop got written out right away. Yeah. from the x-men i was like oh this is such a this is such a brilliant idea like let's let's explore this like why aren't there repercussions they're emotionally they like should be you know having feelings and and conflict about this again i would i want to see more of that i want to see more you know overlap from from those kind of events yeah i mean you could say the same thing in um age of x with oh yeah cyclops so i you know well you you know how big of a, a cyclops slash basilisk fan I am so yeah I definitely <laughs> I was like why aren't we exploring this like yes Frenzy is an amazing character she is I mean obviously Cyclops is super into powerful women so yeah. and she's definitely a powerful woman I, w- I wanted more I wanted more fallout emotionally you know I wanted there to be uh, I just want I always want more <laughs> I, yeah and I'm, I'm greedy I am so greedy I just give me everything well and that's the sign of good writing is when they when they can draw you in and make you want more oh, but exactly. i mean like speaking of relationships uh rain and danny oh oh, oh yeah my God, that i oh, mean that tore my heart even oh. before even before that with the letter she got from elixir yeah like oh. saying that well your child isn't in the queue i don't know why but you know <sighs> Oh my God. I'll I'll try to you know take, help you with that, but I, I guess I can't. But take care. I'm like what? <laughs> right? Like because like, no. they had to turn it over to X. I think turn it over to X Factor. Yeah, they did. Uh, to to figure out what was going on. But yeah. Oh my God, that tore my heart out. Yeah, that shit was sad as hell. <sighs> Yeah, I'm like, how can you not like, I'm like, okay, Krakoa, how can we not make someone's child being reborn not like a priority? Like, right. I know it's Rain. I know she's like not the most popular among some of the members, but still, that's her baby. Yeah, that's so. I do want to point out how that one picture of Shanghai killing her son. <laughs> uh, so I find it a little funny how that's this image that they use for the X Men voting thing. Yep. <laughs> That's the only image of him so far in Krakoa. <laughs> and I'm just, like, I looked at that when I was reading that this week. I'm like, damn, that's really the one image that they had to use. Right. <laughs> right. right. That's the only newest image because we haven't seen Strong Guy yet. And that's honestly kind of sad. Like, where is Strong Guy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. But it was amazing um, that that Vita and Reyes were able to, uh, in one, basically one page, 
page, put all of this pain and all of this emotion and encapsulate it in this uh, amazingly beautiful imagery and give you basically an entire story of why she's in so much pain and just really give you that emotion to just sit there and chew on it. It's like, oh, oh my God. Oh, so heartrending. Oh, definitely. Like, I felt it. I felt it for her. And Raven, to, to one of your earlier points, I think what Vita does here is also kind of gives us that backstory to, you know, we saw Rain being really happy on Krakoa. Mm-hmm. And the what this tells me is that she probably this entire time assumed that her son, I think it's Tyr, mm-hmm. uh, was on, was, you know, in line to, to get resurrected. And this is the first time where she's being told, no, he's not, he's not on the list anywhere. And so, you know, she's this entire time she's thinking, I'm going to have my family. I'm going to have my son. We're going to get to enjoy this together. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we see that shattering around her and like, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's really telling because a lot of people were confused in the beginning of New Mutants when we first saw Rain, why she was so happy. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, before that, she did the the suicide thing and Uncanny X-Men. Not exactly suicide, but basically. Um, and then she, you know, she hasn't had the best track record at being happy Mm-mm. and had a lot of trauma. But yeah. as soon as New Mutants happened, she's like sitting and meditating and being all happy. And we're like, well, why? Did they just erase her trauma? What's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Dante. She was like, well, I'm going to get my son back. So that that's the, that the hole in my heart is about to be filled again. I'm happy. You know, we're about to have a life. I just have to wait a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, other people are in the in line too. So, yeah. but he's not even in the queue and I don't understand that. I mean, he's a mutant. So yeah. there's, yeah. there's something up with that because mm-hmm. there's people that we've never even heard of that have been reborn already. So, right. <laughs> like, right? but yeah. I, Reyes and, and Vita working together with this art is, it is spectacular. Like, mm-hmm. if it wasn't so sad, I would want it hanging up. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I don't need that hanging up, but I it is beautiful. Yeah. But oh, also, yeah. can we talk about the relationship that Rain and Danny have? Yes, that is like some best friends material right there, and it is it. Oh, I love it because you you can feel that that friendship between them, but you can also feel that bond of people who've been through trauma, mm-hmm. and being able to trust somebody enough with your trauma is a very difficult thing. But you can see that between Danny and Rain and that is just something so incredibly special right there and it's it's just it's 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 amazing what can be done with just a couple of sentences and you know just the right art and we see it here on this page and you can you can practically feel it it's like you're in the room exactly and I like that we have that they're giving Danny these moments to really be you know the caregiver and the emotional support that she is like she is is that leader she is that friend that will wants to you know make everyone feel better and is the shoulder to cry on is the person you can talk to about your problems and they'll actually listen and try to you know help you so mm-hmm. she's always been that kind of character and i'm glad they're still reaching out and developing those friendships that she has with those people like rain yeah and even when uh even when karma comes in danny is still checking in with rain to make sure it's actually okay for her to you know go do this party thing um 
but I mean, like she even she even tells Karma, you know, you know, of all people who would understand, Karma would understand uh, me not going. So if you need me to stay here, I can't. Like, yeah, just oh, like it was the interplay between characters between people is just so so well. I can't even say enough. This is how much I love this book. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah. with Karma, Danny, and Rain alone, the amount of mm-hmm. trauma they have all together, <laughs> just I mean, they they all like yeah. I understand. We like if you need time, it's okay, girl. Like we mm-hmm. we all been through it again and again and again. So mm-hmm. yeah, so, I, yeah. No, it was it was great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that last panel though, when they actually leave Rain, and then I love when artists do this when the the characters having an emotional breakdown and the art around them just kind of like goes away, and mm-hmm. it looks just like like just like depressing and sad, and like you're you're pulling like you're kind of like your psyche is pulling away from the world because that's how it mm-hmm. feels when. Yeah you are just in such a depressing state like you feel like you're being pulled away from the world and everything around you is just like mm-hmm. gone it's just like decreasing because you feel like you're decreasing yeah yeah it's it's that that fade from reality that that feeling of kind of nothingness or 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 diminutiveness that just you know nothing matters nothing is nothing is bright no colors really pop you're just kind of folding in on yourself and they, they did that so well with the art you can you can feel the emotions just looking at the color story and just at the background and yeah they they did that so well because yeah you don't just switch from oh yeah we're okay we're gonna go off to this party now you don't just pop over to bright color you you feel how she feels and then they transition to the next scene and it's it's very artfully done yeah it's absolutely brilliant every i echo everything that you both said there's so much emotion captured in that one panel um the way that they presented it you know that overwhelming feeling where all you feel is that emotion and nothing else around you is is even vivid you it's like tunnel vision you can't even see what's around you because all you're feeling is that that emptiness and that's that's exactly what i got from that panel definitely now to go to more trauma <laughs> it turns out <laughs> it turns out farouk also has trauma which i i don't know if this was uh just vita's idea our collective ex-group idea but i love this idea that farouk isn't actually like the shadow king shadow king that mm-hmm. it, he was just a traumatized young mutant boy that had mm-hmm. really good uh, you know mind bending powers or telepathy and the shadow demon like took over him and made him this you know psychopathic creature like I that is a, it develops Farouk in such a way that I didn't think they were ever going to do mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sh- uh, like I'm ah, again tongue tied but <laughs> I feel like we're gonna see Farouk outside of the shadow at some point and I don't even know what that's gonna entail that really excites me mm-hmm. yeah it was i didn't think i'd ever feel any sort of sympathy or empathy for farouk but they were able to do that in in that um in that info page and you see that it wasn't just okay i'm gonna be this thing and run for it it was a slow manipulation over a a longer amount of time and you see this kind of evolution and the way he was slowly indoctrinated and slowly manipulated Manipulated and twisted into what he became, which is the Shadow King. So it's like, dang, this kid did not stand a chance. 
<laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. So like now I kind of have to rethink how I feel about Farouk and how I feel about Shadow King because he's been such a uh, polarizing uh, character for so long. It's like, oh, Shadow King, no, evil, bad. It's like, oh, this is a kid who just got railroaded by this dark force and he did not have a chance because he honestly thought he was doing a good thing and something that was going to be positive and he did not know better. Yeah, I know we're in an era where when it comes to mutants, we're kind of breaking down the boundaries of hero and villain, uh, which I love. I love that. Um, But I can't help but still see like bits of villainy right now Mm -hmm. with the Shadow King. But I'm also invested and I'm becoming more Mm -hmm. emotionally invested. And I want to know the story and especially for for the story of Farouk. And some of my favorite stories are where you sympathize with the villain. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally there with this. Vita is doing an amazing job. Uh, mm-hmm. building up the backstory of this character that we've known for years and years and years, right? Like how how many Shadow King stories exist? But this is a new depth to the character that I so appreciate from Vita. And I'm so excited to see where we go with this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. And I'm, I'm excited to see at some point when we actually get the core of the New Mutants to face this like new established Farouk to find out that it's actually, you know, not technically his fault, all the stuff that he's done in all the years. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually this entity that took over his body and made him like be this catastrophic disaster of mm-hmm. for so many mutants and so many so much people and to keep being reborn into this disaster like this to think of to think of how much Farouk has gone through being taken over by the Shadow King because that person's been destroyed over and over again but keeps being mm-hmm. brought back by that shadow entity I can't even imagine like how that would feel like how would they even still be their own person at that yeah. point. Yeah, he's just weird. And I think this is another great um, use of data pages in the Dawn of X time. Um, so we just get so much story in this yeah. one page. Like, and I really am. I'm just. I'm so captivated by all the information that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Robbie, what do you uh, what do you think about the the information that we get about Amal Farouk? I think it's really sad to see the amount of time the shadow has really like altered him and kind of took advantage of him over the years and how it really shaped him. So I'm very curious to see how Vita is going to show us a different side of that character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And speaking of different sides to characters, now we're going to the Green Lagoon again, which <laughs> I love. I love when we go to the Green Lagoon. Um, I I don't been, right <laughs> i don't think we've been to the green lagoon in new mutants yet like in this whole run i don't think we have oh, yet no. i think it's the first time so that's cool mm-hmm. and i love that it's in this art because i love yeah. reyes art and i think it just goes really well with the green lagoon mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> reyes's art is so perfect for this book because like you have so many people who are uh reality benders and psychics and just this like shadow king and and cosmar and just you have so many people who are kind of in transition that this artwork is so perfect for because you can kind of feel that uh gentle shift in reality or in perspective so it just oh it it brings so much emotion with it it's mm, it's perfect for this book because of the subject matter that is being covered Mm, definitely and i love that we get um we get robbie and cannonball again (laughs) he's like oh we haven't seen them in a while they're back for for um oh wow my brain the reception of uh bay and Doug. That's right. 
<laughs> and I love that they're like, oh, you know, you're going to be a man soon. He's like, well, I already went on my honeymoon, you guys. We already did the dude. So, like, I I, I know we're not going to see how that goes or how that went um, because it's not that kind of book. But I... I, can, I know I'm not the only one that really wants to know how that went down. I, I I'm so curious. As soon as I read those little word bubbles, I was like, "Oh man, can we can we just make like an a little like an adult section that just shows us a little bit, not like yeah. in a well, smutty way, just like show us what went down." I'm going to assume just for the simple fact that um, Bay is carrying Doug in mm-hmm. the uh, Blue Lagoon scene <laughs> that Bay is the power top and Doug is the submissive bottom, and that's pretty much all I need to know. I mean, I already knew that, True. but I, I think that's <laughs> enough information for me. True. I do love that. Like that, that the fact that they kept Bay carrying Doug yeah. is such a wonderful thing. So it's like, I really, I really love these Blue Lagoon scenes just because it's almost like a little um, treasure trove of Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Do each of you have like a favorite little character or moment in there that you spotted that you just like, it brings you so much delight? Like on the first page when it's yeah, like that the first big page. space? Just ah. all of it. Honestly, all of it. Oh, actually, you know what? what well, what I loved was uh, it came later on at the Green Lagoon and and it was when um, when Farouk was in the crowd, but nobody seemed to notice him. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> that was really awesome. I <laughs> I was like, man, he's still super powerful. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like, no one can see him. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like my my favorite was right above that. Just seeing all everybody just having fun and dancing. Yeah. Like I like y'all. I just love seeing the mutants happy. Like I know it's not all about happiness because it's a story and you have to have drama and that's great and mm-hmm. I love that. But seeing just the pure happiness and them getting along and the mutants just having that moment to just breathe a little bit and celebrate happiness is a great. Anoli yeah. being bartender. Yeah, that was. <laughs> is he old enough? I guess it doesn't matter. But <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, with there's precedent. We've seen him uh, working behind the bar too, so um, they're being very consistent with that. True. 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 Um, I. I really enjoyed, I believe it is a, a Peeper's <laughs> appearance at the sitting at the bar. And I just thought that was really funny. Just like a, a small little detail. And I, I I like that because I feel like it really does connect Sword with Krakoa, even in a tiny way. That. I literally just noticed that. Oh my God, it is Peeper's. Right? That's that's what I that's what I was saying. Like, there's so many great little moments that are just hidden in there. Love these little gems. And I just, I love that. I, I love spending all that time just looking for who's in the, who's in the audience. <laughs> Who's there? Right. I love Anoli being bartender. That yeah. was so, so, that was comedy. I was like, okay. I mean, I thought he was younger, but pff, it's Krakoa. Let's do this noise. <laughs> <laughs> Before we switch back to the more trauma side, Robbie, what was your favorite moment in the Green Lagoon? Oh, um, my moment probably had to have been, um, I definitely really enjoyed the scenes between uh, Cannonball and Sunspot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I really like those. Yeah, those were nice. I'm glad we get to see them again for a little bit before they go back to space, because they can go back to space. That's fine. But (laughs) I'm glad we get to see them for a little bit, make a little cameo. It's cute it's cute i was surprised cannonball's wife wasn't there but i guess somebody has to watch the baby so that's fine <laughs> right 
right? I'm like, she can be a part of it too, y'all. I'm sure she likes to party. I won't. Why they couldn't get a babysitter, but that's fine. <laughs> no, uh, the, this this was a really great kind of party scene because you you get um, different emotions from different characters, uh-huh. um, all while still having that very much party atmosphere going on. And so yeah, it was really great to see people celebrating and like, oh my god, magic giving Doug a noogie and then going, oh yeah, that's right, babe. Hey, you went in on the noogie action or oh no no, no you're right you're right it's, he's yours to noogie now and i'm like oh my god oh my god magic that is yeah, iliana that is so you that is so freaking you oh yeah Which, oh but yeah it was, it was so good it was so so good i i like that we get more details on you know gabby just running around in the party being like well where's doc and where's doc and everyone's like gabby mm-hmm. just have fun like what are you doing and she's mm-hmm. like no 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 but i need my family my family fam mm-hmm. but, you know, he's getting his little mac on so she's like oh well damn i guess i'm i guess i'm left in the cold again so that i'm like oh no i'm like she needs laura laura come back <laughs> yeah she she's she's just like the rest of her family family when she gets focused it is laser focused like you know she's she's like hey he said he was gonna hang out with me and we we're gonna do claws out and da 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 oh he's oh he's still with her and not looking for me and all all by myself <laughs> like girl there are people around you who want to dance with you who want to hang out with you like I get that you want to be with your family and you have like super laser focus and everything, but like take two breaths and and have fun with the people around you who are very much wanting to have fun with you. Like, dang. Right. In the scene, we see um we see Warlock. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, well, well, I thought we were supposed to have fun and all that. I I wonder if we're going to at any time of Kokoa discuss that Warlock is now you know by himself without Mm -hmm. Doug and what that means for Kokoa. Because you know, as we saw in Hoxpox, um, Warlock's anatomy is like you know his his whole species doesn't do well with Earth in the future. Mm-hmm. So so I wonder if that's going to be brought up because I know in the pages of Hellions they're like doing away with a lot of technology or trying to destroy a lot of technology mm-hmm. that has to hurt the mutants. Yeah, yeah, and I feel for Warlock because I kind of know what it's like when your best friend goes and gets married and then like there's that sudden distance because you're like oh, I want to give them space so that they can be with their significant other but at the same point in time that's your best friend you know that was his self friend so Uh like I want to know how he's kind of dealing with them being married now and him not spending as much time with his self friend as he usually does like is he going to be able to interact with other mutants more and find new friends or is he going to build up a resentment towards Bay because you know she kind of took his self friend or like like what's going on i kind of want to know more about warlock's emotional state because they've dug and warlock has been together for a long time mm. and that's a very close relationship so i kind of want to know what's up yeah and with that relationship leaving if he ever feels hurt by the other mutants is mm-hmm. that going to cause him to want to leave and then maybe you know not care about the mutants anymore or like find vengeance or something like that like what is his emotional state because i i i'm sure we all really worry about that because he has also in the past been very like flip floppy when he's not with Doug mm-hmm. on his emotional state with the mutants and I love Warlock and I, I want him to stay around I'm glad he's there mm-hmm. but I'm also very concerned because we know what some of the futures hold so yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I have I feel like I have so many questions when it comes to Warlock being on Krakoa because early on I was like, why are they hi- why is he hiding quote unquote on Doug's arm? <laughs> like yeah. you know, and like they were trying to keep him under the radar, but I can't help but feel like didn't everybody notice and maybe just not say anything because it's a non issue for everyone else? But yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that we're seeing more of Warlock as Warlock, I feel like Vito will explore some of that or or will have something in mind for the character. Um, so I, I, I trust Vita to give us something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have a lot, just so many questions. It's like, you know, uh, I would love to see a relationship between Bay and Warlock develop, right? Like Ooh. I could see mm-hmm. I could see their dynamics uh, together being really interesting and um, just maybe really fun to play off of. So I could definitely see that. That'd be fun. Maybe like a three like a three-way relationship a throuple maybe like yeah. a throuple i don't i don't know why they i'm sure that I, I feel like that's a missed opportunity if it isn't explored to be a throuple in, so, in some capacity you know because yeah, they have and, such a close relationship yeah and i mean you could have a throuple where you have two partners who are um romantically involved and two partners who are not romantically involved but have a a friendship that develops and becomes very strong so mm-hmm. yeah it'd be very interesting to see which way they kind of develop um all of this yeah i definitely agree it's definitely has a lot of potential Mm -hmm. especially with such powerful characters but speaking of potential and storyline we have danny going back to rain again Mm because rain is not liking the part (laughs) of course how could you how could you when you're missing your you know your only child so but we we get to experience that connection again in these few panels but also in the background cosmog and uh, aqua boy is it aqua boy rain boy rain cosmog and rain boy rain boy yeah aqua boy is dc can't do that yeah so Rainbow, like, eh. <laughs> so Rainbow's like, do it, do it, do it, and I was like, what is she trying to do? I was really scared at the moment because I thought they were gonna like disrupt the party or something. Right, but, but, oh, man, oh, I know it came crashing oh. down. Robbie, what did you think of the crashing down moment with Cosmog and Danny? That shit was sad as hell. (laughs) And, like, and that's the thing where we were talking about earlier with, like, that conversation she had with Farouk. Because it's, like, he, like, you think that he would expect kind of this conversation to play out, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I I don't know, my assumption is that the adults on Krakoa would know more things about um, the Crucible. Mm -hmm. Whereas as like some of the younger kids they might you know they might know details they might have you know seen it but they might not know completely everything mm-hmm. so um it was really sad and to see her get like turned away when she's been you know kind of been told like oh yeah crucible blah, blah, you know definitely do that uh and then she has her moment and then she gets turned away and that's sad yeah, yeah. oh that was you could see how much it crushed her because like she got her powers early on and those powers warped her body and she misses looking more human so when she asks to be in a crucible and gets turned down like that she's like but you know yeah danny's like well this is for people who've lost their powers and she's like i lost my freaking body i lost who i was that's why i'm asking you to do this uh-huh. and they're like oh no you're perfect the way you are and she's like you didn't get warped like this you didn't get marred you still look human so like oh yeah uh, 
the crushing feels and that because oh that that was it was visceral and and yeah like you could tell that Farouk had had set that up he knew what was going to happen and he set it up and those dominoes got knocked down and you're like oh god oh this is not good oh Re- definitely a reality ripper who is now deeply uh emotionally hurt is not a good thing oh yeah not at all uh and i i really felt like danny was trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and being like you know you're perfect you're beautiful it's okay like you're you're a mutant it's okay you can look like that that's fine but it's like she didn't look like that always she wasn't born that way mm-hmm. even if she was but like it, it hurts more because she knew what she looked like before you know she had years of looking yeah. just like an average human person and now she looks like her body's been reality warped mm-hmm. so she's like i need to i i need to die so i can be back back by myself so mm-hmm. I, I feel like danny meant the best here but she did what a lot of people do when people with trauma when people that are listening to trauma do they try to be like they try to cover it up they're like oh no you're fine fine you know you did your best but you know let's just you're 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 okay let's just get over it you know and you're beautiful the way you are it's like yeah she should have done more like listening and trying yeah. to really understand her and being like hey well maybe you know i hear you you know maybe the maybe not the crucible but let's mm-hmm. let's talk about this more not in a party setting like let's let's i want to talk about this more with you not instead mm-hmm. of just like being like nah you're beautiful it's okay you're fine so. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely Hey everybody, welcome back. Nico here again, and this next segment is Drew, Nathan, and Kyle talking about one of my favorites, Excalibur. Now, I grew up a big fan of the classic Excalibur and all of the ways those characters developed over the years, and of course, if you love Brian, you gotta love Betsy, and who doesn't love Betsy more anyway? And it's so interesting to see a title be so completely about a character who's never there anymore. And it's been really interesting to see how the multiverse is playing a factor into a book that was so about multiversity for so long, as Excalibur is the notable home of the Crosstime Caper, a storyline that would later go on to influence and help develop Exiles by Judd Winnick, which would run over a hundred issues in its first volume alone. The pages of Excalibur these days are home to a host of X-Men's biggest names like Rogue, Gambit, and Jubilee. But the title is about so much more, and the team really goes in-depth to explore exactly what Teeny Howard and Marcus Two are bringing to this title and how dramatically it has evolved over the last 18 issues. And we hope you guys enjoy. And welcome to another X's for Podcast. Today we are covering Excalibur 17. Yay! I'm Nathan, and you can find me online at Dazzler AOA at Twitter and Instagram. I'm Kyle. You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. It's D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. Hi, I'm Drew. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Drewsifer3. That's D-R-E-W-S-I-P-H-E-R-3. And we hope you survive the experience just like uh, basically everybody. I don't think anybody died in this issue. Yay! Is that Yay! like first in the longest time, right? I'm like, yeah. what? Nobody died? Um, So we're covering Excalibur 17 today with uh, Teeny Howard as the writer, Marcus Two as the artist, Eric Arsenega as the color artist, VCs Ariana Maher as the letterer, and Tom Muller as 
as design. So yay! Excalibur is having a transitional issue recovering at the in an alternate universe. And Excalibur's moving. What? Um, but before we actually jump into the issue, for me, this issue seems to center on Betsy and old relationship. So do we have a favorite relationship for Betsy Vladek, whether it's like an actual romantic relationship, platonic relationship, or a rivalrous relationship? What would be your guys' favorite Betsy relationship? Mm. I, I used to be a huge fan of the Warren Betsy like romance. I used to think like, wow, you know, like you guys are like so similar. They're both rich. They both have extreme body issues. They both Hellfire Club membership. So I was like, oh, wow. I know some people are like, hey, it's a little too similar for us. But um, also, besides a romantic relationship, I always thought that the friendship that she had with Dazzler in her like Psylocke miniseries that she had a few years ago, that was really fun. And I was like, I really wish we got more of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, another another one of her obvious relationships, and again, this one's not really romantic either, is her relationship with Quanin. That one is kind of obvious. And I guess like a little bit of it also is uh, like um, kind of what they're exploring in this issue is a lack there of a relationship, just because they do have like uh, a really large history together, but they don't really like know each other. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty accurate way of, of describing their relationship. <laughs> it's very strange between the two of them at the moment. For me, I think I really enjoyed her relationship with Blob oh, during yeah. the Age of X-Men period. It was it was an unexpected relationship that I thought worked really well for the both of them and I I'm glad that we saw little hints of of it in the previous issue. Oh, absolutely. I'm always happy whenever we're seeing little reminders of the Age of X-Men universe. Like, obviously, we got to see Fred remembering his whole relationship, friendship with Betsy, as well as um, Gabby mentioned it in uh, the last New Mutants issue, too. So it seems oh, yeah. like the, that universe, what happened to them there, um, is still playing an important part in their whole psyche. I mean, it did happen right before. Like, it was literally, they got back back to 616 right before we jumped into the hot pot era so it is kind of cool to see us kind of go back a little bit and see are there any old scars from there or is there any unresolved issue all right so this, the issue started off with a focus on heat wisdom so we all know somewhere out there nico was drooling when he got to this part <laughs> <laughs> we're like oh my god yeah you know nico was like what hi everybody nico here and i can verify that happened we see what they know, and uh, we see that they know an, actually an awful lot about what's going on in Krakoa and what happened during the lead-up to Ten of Swords. We also see that Pete Wisdom's next mission is taking him to Mutant Margaritaville, as he calls it. Oh, wait, no, Krakoa. So, everybody, the mutant James Bond himself is going to Krakoa. The poor guy who's been fighting against it since the... Fighting against going there since day one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you can definitely tell that he doesn't really like the the whole idea of the mutant community even from what i had previously read of him he never re he didn't really seem quite comfortable with his abilities or something like that but i'm still i'm still really early in that earlier run so um yeah <laughs> and now so drew i know you are new to pete wisdom so like just a little bit on pete wisdom he joined excalibur in 
in probably the mid 70s issues of it mid to late 70s issues he was created um to be like the british um like super asian spy kind of thing that was a liaison to the team he joined up during the genosha like visit that they had right during the whole age of apocalypse timeline he gets really close to kitty pride they have a creepy relationship um and then he leaves the team towards the end of the run on it after breaking up with kitty then pete wisdom goes on to tutor x-force and when he does that at that time domino and danny moonstar leave the team because they don't they aren't as comfortable going into the covert by op arena and then he shows up later obviously in captain Britannia and the mi-13 and earlier in the run in excalibur so it's heavily hinted by the clan akaba wizard who's just walking around the british offices don't ask me why <laughs> full in like wizard regalia gear too um do we think uh, it's heavily hinted that the public thinks there's, there's a relationship going on between wisdom and that um is this a relationship that we can stand behind or are we like no betsy stay far away from pete mm. I don't know the character, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) I I pass. Honestly, I I really don't see Betsy and Pete as any kind of couple. I could see them kind of being reluctant friends okay but uh yeah i i don't really want them in a romantic relationship yeah i didn't i mean like i didn't get that vibe from reading this either like that that like i i I didn't get that vibe it was just it was kind of more of like a co-worker-esque kind of uh a vibe and if you look at um ruben's like just the way he's like holding himself he's like got crossed arms a lot i don't know it just like seems like he doesn't want to be there yeah (laughs) yeah that's a pretty accurate description of almost anything i've seen pete wisdom he basically doesn't usually want to be there um i personally i think it would be a horrible ship and i'm glad that they're playing it off as no 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 they're just right Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously we've all heard the saying that loose lifting ship so do we think that the information leaked to clan akaba was from somebody on krakoa and do we think that represents a more serious threat for Koa and Kyrity going forward? Because they did, they knew a lot, of, an awful lot of stuff about what happened during the contest, which wouldn't be generally general public. No. Right. It's- I think it might actually be a um, a mole in Avalon, actually, since their previous uh, patron, I guess, was Morgan Le Fay, and they've obviously lost contact with her. They... I'm assuming that they had other contacts there even after Jamie took over. So I'm hoping I, I I'm hoping that it's somebody there and not on Krakoa. I was thinking the same thing. Hopefully, like that it would be someone on Avalon, not um Krakoa. Yeah, no, that's actually that is actually a really good read. I, I assumed it went straight to like Krakoa, but no, it, a lot of this information would be known on Avalon, so that makes a lot more sense. And that actually makes me feel a lot better about the Krakoan security. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't really see um Kavanakaba uh willingly working with witch breed yeah they're they're very anti-mutant so 
it it doesn't seem like something that they would go into uh willingly i guess no yeah that makes sense um the the reason i was thinking because i know there are some mutants that are through genetics mainly like very loosely associated with Klanakava. like chamber is a descendant of Klanakava, as is uh blink herself so i'm kind of like hmm hopefully it's not one of those but no that makes true sense. you guys are what you guys are thinking is really gotten me thinking along those lines true so the there is a difference between clan akaba and coven akaba so i i think we're safe with with chamber and blink not being um involved because coven akaba was a group that rose kind of parallel to or did i say coven or did i say clan shoot (laughs) let me start again um (laughs) coven akaba is a group that rose parallel with Clan Akaba. Yeah. So it's it's they they've been in the shadows while Clan Akaba kind of grew with Apocalypse's powers. Okay. Yeah, no, no. And that that's something that maybe I hadn't really connected as much because you're so used to the Clan Akaba and then now we've got Coven Akaba and we're like, how many Akabas are there? But um <laughs> But no, that makes a lot more sense, actually. And especially since the representative was going around calling mutants with breed, which, you know, if it was Clan Akaba and it was through Apocalypse, they would be like a superior race or something. I don't know what, but, you know, Apocalypse is all about mutant supremacy. So, yeah, there would be something to do with that. The next part of the story that we are brought into is the data page, which is a note left behind by Queen Elizabeth III to whichever version of herself might end up taking her place in some kind of odd cross-time caper. So. I really thought this was fascinating. Um, and I'm kind of just wondering, like, how have we not seen something like this before? Especially with all of the alternate reality versions and different weird AU and time travel thing through the X-Men universe. This is actually kind of like one of the reasons why I hopped back on Excalibur was because I was hoping that it would go in this direction of um, a little bit of a time hopping kind of adventure um, with Betsy trying to get back to like to Krakoa, like Prime like our 616 yeah like it's like pretty much that's like really what's been doing it uh for me on this book so far um and like i I, like i really liked that part of this issue yeah i i really liked it too and the fact that this plan was conceived between prime minister pete wisdom and Mm -hmm. queen betsy um because they they assumed that because it's the Captain Betsy Corps now that anybody in any uh, any Betsy in the multiverse would wind up being involved in some kind of omniversal trouble. It's a really well planned out idea in this this particular universe oh no no i definitely agree i'm just i'm i'm just like in shock because i'm like wow like you would have thought like even in classic excalibur with all of the uh cross time adventures that they had that somebody would have said hey we need to leave note for ourselves <laughs> kind of thing yeah <laughs> so but simple. i i don't know have have they uh, have we ever had an instance where 
a member of a uh, of Excalibur took over the body of somebody else. I don't think that that's happened. I think that this is unique to Betsy. Yeah, I think this particular uh, this particular version of what happened, and and I'm not sure. Did she just take over? Did she take over her body, or did she just trans? No, she did take over her body. So this particular like did she take over her body? Because I have like there was like I got something at the end of it that that doesn't make sense if she took over her body. (laughs) She near the end, she says that it felt like her soul was being pulled out. Okay. As she was nearing the uh, the the portal. Okay, I guess there's I guess there's really still a lot we don't know about what happened and what caused Betsy to get to this place because yeah, that's like it, it, that was kind of like where I was confused about this issue is it doesn't really explain how Betsy got from dying in X of Swords. Yeah, that oh, is, that's yeah. a good point. No, that really is because I mean, last time we saw her, she was she fell to pieces, right? She was shattered. Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that will come up later they're just kind of like they wanted like an end in like like a like a shock ending like that for their last page um oh yeah Um, no oh yeah it's kind of like kind of like the first three episodes of wandavision versus this last episode of wandavision you're like you're like wait what's going on what's going on they're like oh yeah and it's also just like a very hickman thing for to do um is is like keep keep your reader um waiting and wanting more Mm -hmm. oh gosh yeah i think that was i think I think that's been my favorite part of the whole Hickman era is uh we were like thrown in the middle of with Hawksbox. We were like, oh wait, Krokoa, what what is going on here? And we've slowly been learning the clues. He's we pretty much learned the build up to Krokoa itself, but like the, it's, it's a really interesting storytelling way that it really that really resonates with me. We kind of realized there was a Krokoa here. So is Moira the same here? Did she engineer everything? Like maybe is she working behind the scenes in this reality with uh the English monarch? So like there's a a world of questions that we could open up for every AU that we visit and it's kind of exciting. Um, with this though, I, I these first part here, I'm really interested in seeing Betsy interact with Warren. She never really interacted with Warren that much in this body and she even mentions it in the talk, in the panel time that she has. Um, do we think that it was an interesting setup having her start with one of her most famous ex-lovers in this alternate reality and then transitioning to, hey, his ex-wife is Quanin like <laughs> did like did that resonate well with you Ed? for me it, it was yeah so, so like we're, this is already in a new reality like as a reader you're kind of already like okay i don't really know where i am or what's happening here so having this like you're like well i know these two people like well, just looking at the page i'm like i know well clearly that's angel and clearly that's psylocke so it kind of brings you to like this familiarity you know you're not like mm-hmm. in a totally like out of like different world right you it's 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 not as jarring yeah um i mean i i haven't had that i i never got to to read any of the time with warren before so i'm honestly not sure how to deal with betsy's reaction towards him kind of being his or being her would he be like a consort? I yeah, guess? that's 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 what I put it in my notes because he's like, well, we can't be married for legal reasons, but <laughs> right, yeah, I can kind of see them together in this world, but at the same time, it's weird, and the the interactions with Quanin for me felt 
awkward. It felt uncomfortable. But I think that that's what it was supposed to come across as. No, no, no. I, I, I'd agree. It's, it's supposed to be somebody. Uh, obviously, this world, Quanin, would have a little uncomfortability around Betsy because uh, she's, she's dating her ex-husband. And, and obviously, we know that our world, Betsy, would be very uncomfortable around Quanin because, you know, hey, she used to have the same body as her. So... Um, so I, I, I like I like the play of the uncomfortability myself personally, and I love um I, I really like thinking that Warren Worthington really just has a type and it's just Quanin. <laughs> 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 so like in all these realities, he just like finds a Quanin and like in ours, he's like, Oh, Betsy's Quanin. So yeah. <laughs> so now we take a break from the cross time continuity and find Pete Wisdom has arrived and his beautiful self has arrived on Krakoa. Pete Wisdom is actually on Krakoa now. Um, um, hey, you know, at least she's going to be able to speak for Cohen. So that's a positive. Um, it's about time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Wisdom runs into Excalibur as they're doing something that even mutants seem to threat, dread moving. <laughs> Ugh. I like this moment. I thought it was filled with fun banter and it had a kind of gave us a strong sense of focus for what to expect after the other world saga. Now, whether it comes true or not is going to be to be seen, but it really helps that clan Akava is Excalibur's main focus after they get back from dealing with the Betsy Braddock situation. Is there a part of this interaction that stood out? I liked how Excalibur seemed to be up to date with everything that's happening and they were kind of filling pete in on things um and you know it's it's a little detail that i enjoyed about pete but he has i i really liked that he's dropped the cigarettes and now keeps a lollipop in his mouth all the time <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's something that that really stood out to me in his first appearance in the original Excal uh, Excalibur run, where he, uh, Moira is constantly getting angry at him because <laughs> because he was uh, smoking in her lab. <laughs> Andy was talking shit about her coffee too. Don't forget. Well, that. yeah, that too. Oh my god, <laughs> which everybody seemed to hate. But <laughs> yeah. So to be honest, like I've been on and off this book. It like I just kind of don't really know what's happening with like with them. I didn't like like I was whatever I was reading this part. I was like, go back to the the Betsy part. You know, I was just like, like <laughs> that makes sense. Like, it like I was like this like they're not really doing anything. You know what I mean? It's just like um yeah that's like they're yeah it's just kind of like you and like especially rogan like rogue gambit and jubilee they're such iconic characters and i like i just feel like they're not really doing that much in this book and like yeah. i'm not saying this book isn't want like i don't like this book shouldn't be a thing because i think it should i just think like let's move these characters um to where they will be better featured and then maybe focus uh excalibur on like uh betsy and like the braddocks themselves and the whole like uh, captain britain core you know that's actually a fair um criticism of a lot of the line of the dawn of x and reign of x that i've heard um where they have these amazing casts so like excalibur obviously has become the betsy braddock show marauders with this amazing cast from like emma to storm to pyro to iceman has seemingly just made 
mainly become the Kate Pride show with the Emma Frost backup together. But it's it's hard, I think, to say like if I'd want a different team. I just uh, agree though. I'd love them featured more because these are such iconic characters. Like Rogue and Gambit are probably some of the most recognizable X characters um, to even some of the more casual fans. Obviously, mainly through the uh, X Men animated series, Jubilee as well for the same reason. So it's really crazy to see them kind of like the cameo players in the Betsy Pratt. Show. I get you. Yeah, and like to me, they were just never really characters that I thought really belonged in 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 Otherworld. It like to me, like it would have like like you could have brought back the original Excalibur crew or kind of like played off um, characters who are in that that realm. Like maybe like magic could have been involved, you know, because she is like has magic. Like she's in that world a little bit with Doctor Strange. So put her in this realm that could change her up a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, I can understand that. Jubilee, Rogue, and Gambit are definitely underutilized in uh, Excalibur right now. But I do feel like Richter with his... Um, expansion into the druidic arts is kind of growing into his own through this book and it's it's been a great amount of character development for him so that's kind of why i haven't really been mentioning richter as much as Mm -hmm. rogue gambit and jubilee is because like he even had like he was like working closely like with apocalypse and that like he had that really Mm -hmm. that character development with apocalypse um and like who's to say like maybe rogue and gambit and jubilee will have their time soon we just have to wait yep. um and it's not their turn yet okay but no it's it's fair like even even though a lot of us have been clamoring for megan to have a really big appearance like she did in the last issue her really strong and really big appearance did sort of take away from the core crew having the same sort of uh feature or spotlight so i i, I get what you're saying on that um rogue seems to be taking like the de facto leader role of the group now that betsy's not there but even even with that she's really not getting as much of a chance to shine as, as richter obviously has and betsy herself even even brian who's not officially on the team well i mean like even in the first arc she was pretty like she was kind of a main feature of it but she was like she didn't do anything she was knocked out for the first six issues (laughs) true that's true that is true very true (laughs) yeah like the 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 flower coffin and the rogue apocalypse look that she rocked Mm -hmm. for a hot minute and in a jacket that never seems to decide on what jacket she wants to wear (laughs) (laughs) well i think i think her outfit depends on on the location so because they they all all of their outfits change when they go to other worlds so oh, true true yeah and outfit oh, changing has been like a major thing in like this era like look at like x-factor and polaris yeah um, oh yeah and Jean gray and um in like this last issue of x-men which yeah this era for costume changes like just to get sidetracked a little bit sorry about that but like just like the the way and it's mainly been got done it a bunch of times and Jean's done it the most mm-hmm. uh obviously mm-hmm. emma just through design now is almost like the wasp where she never wears the same outfit twice because yeah. you know <laughs> i don't i don't think storm has done it enough Storm, no. more. Storm yeah. really needs to. She only has like two versions of it's a beautiful a costume, but she only has like two versions of a costume and they're like the black version and the white version. So mm-hmm. like, Well, she also had her her little uh sneaky sneak costume. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was a yeah, that was a little different than her main costume was and it, yeah. it looked looked very similar and oh, the way they did her hair on that was amazing too. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um but yeah, Excalibur really hasn't gotten the chance to do a lot of those costume changes that the most of the 
Krakoa ones have, except through their visit to Otherworld, which like totally changed them. It even changed Jubilee's son into a dragon. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought in this interaction, though, I thought there were some cute moments, like when Jubilee was talking about not wanting to live with a cat because she doesn't want to live next to a box of poop. Oh, or... my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, that's living with cat. <laughs> Jubilee, they do poop, poop in, in a box. <laughs> Um, and I thought it was really, really cute. The the Krakoan that looks like an Ole running around trying to lay Pete wisdom. I was like, oh, just take the lay Pete. <laughs> <laughs> and then he looks so sad when Pete rejected it. I know. They're over there. Jubilee's over there comforting him. Like yeah. He's like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> Another thing, too, is like going back to that, that moment. I'm just looking at this now is how he even flicks the like stick of his like lollipop like you would flick a cigarette funny. <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> it's like pete's that one smoker who will never ever give up the urge but <laughs> he's trying damn it <laughs> um <clears throat> so right after this fun little interlude that really maybe didn't do much for to move the plot forward we're back to betsy so we're getting more into the props of her interactions between her and wanted so obviously we talked about how the relationship are strained for very much different reasons. So obviously, body swap slash ex-husband. Why do we feel that Betsy has such a vested interest in getting to know this version of Juan? So this this particular section of the book really got on my nerves. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I... I get why Betsy decided to try to talk to Quanin about their experiences. She's trying to get up the nerve to talk to 616 Quanin about the whole body swap thing. Yep. She should not have been doing it to this Quanin. It's not acceptable to involve somebody who has absolutely no experience with those events and give them access to those memories okay that that is a really good point another like a way kind of i the way i kind of looked at it was you know if she's at like let's just say you know they did body swap you know and her answer was yes she could she could get like information from her or like kind of I like what six one six Quanin is actually thinking, you know what I mean? To to actually talk to her, you know what I mean? And then I mean, I, again, I don't I, like we don't I don't with the whole scheme of things. You don't know. Like, I don't know if Betsy is in on what is happening or really like with her being in this universe. I'm just like, like that regard. I'm still kind of confused. But um, basically, I have it like if this does become a multiversal hopping uh, kind of arc then she can get the summation of all the Quanin's thoughts on their situation and then bring that back to 616 Quanin to resolve their issues. Mm. I, I, I was thinking it was more, because I know Betsy has a few times tried to approach Quanin, and understandably, Quanin is not ready to talk about it. Um, I, I would take a lot of healing on Quanin's part, very understandably, to even want to be in a place where she wants to look at Betsy. I, I kind of read this as Betsy was trying to find 
find that absolution that you can't get from Arquanen from this other version of Quanin, and it just felt felt uh, misguided and misplaced on Betsy's part. But I, I think yeah, there's a lot. Of, I agree. Oh, that's kind of what I was trying. Things. That's that's kind of what I was meaning to say, and that like she was trying to she was trying to to get what she wanted from 616 Quanin from this Quanin, and yeah. but that's that wasn't the, that's not the reality of this reality. So it's just like no, just like get the hell out of here. Like we can't even be talking about this anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. That, so we'll, we'll continue with this reality. That brings it more to the three questions that Betsy asked Juan. In. So so you, so be- before yeah, we ahead. get there, absolutely. Can I just point out that the portal that they show us on that first page of this section looks exactly like the Starlight Sword? <gasps> oh my god it does i never realized that i also just see that now holy shit but i guess that makes sense because the sword shattered itself into a million pieces when betsy shattered so yep and she had said that the only way that she could get to Otherworld was with the use of the amulet or the Starlight Sword. And since she didn't have those, then she'd have to rely on the um, the the Nexus Point right. where the reality touches Otherworld. Yeah, I, I do. I have to say, I really love seeing the lighthouse reinvented as like a high tech, like a high tech base. Like that is yeah. really mm. fascinating to me because. In all these other realities, you would ever see the lighthouse. It was basically some version of a lighthouse. But this one, I was like, oh, cool. They actually like tore it down and did something really cool with it, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so three questions. So, three question time. So, what do we think about the three questions that Betsy asked once? So, let's see. Number one was, um, is there a Krokoa here? Number two is, how's my brother? And then number three was, have you always lived in your body? Oof, that's a heavy question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, like, we, I kind of already said my piece on the Krakoa one. I think that one's like a like like interesting for the greater narrative of like even the Hickman verse itself. Um, with her brother, one what the Quanin says. Oh, he's the head of the space program of the British space program. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then so I I'm. I'm I'm not invested in (laughs) (laughs) again because like I haven't read any of the other Excaliburs so like really a lot of like a lot of the Excal like the Braddocks I I have like I sure you know like I I like I like Betsy because but I like her as like what she has been like like as she was if this is like what they're doing I'm cool with it you know like sure I think I need I like in order to appreciate this I do need to go back and read Excalibur um mm. because yeah. it's it's, I, it's just not hitting me the way it's hit, like I feel like it is hitting some some people. Okay, that that it it there is a lot of history that this is building on so that would be pretty fair to make that assessment. Also, yeah. if you're starting back and reading Excalibur from the beginning, do not expect to like Brian Braddock at first because Oh, he's such a jerk. He is so <laughs> insufferable and misogynistic and just like a complete asshole in early caliber that when I went back and was rereading the beginning part, I was like, how the hell did I ever like Brian Braddock? But like <laughs> he changed, he grows and he changes over the series and, it, and it's mm-hmm. amazing to see. But yeah, yeah. If you go back and start from the beginning of Excalibur, you're going to hate Brian Braddock. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he becomes a lovable himbo, so. He does, and it's adorable too. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also incredibly smart. So... Yeah. 
it's it makes sense that he becomes the the head of british of the british space program um because he he was always uh invested in the sciences Mm -hmm. until he got uh pulled into the superhero role and even then he was still uh dealing with science issues on the side so yeah i can i can see that and then for me probably the 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 question that has the most weight obviously is have you always lived in your body and and like you said kyle i think this is where betty really starts cross a line where she because to take that away somebody to tell somebody that there's just another reality where there was a time where i lived in your body and i basically took over your life i i do find that unacceptable and i know she's looking for for a piece i can't find but it's uh you're, you're right it's way across yeah this uh, it's it's such a misplaced attempt at absolution and it it's almost it's not even almost it is insulting to Quanin of this this universe to bring in this whole i lived in your body for decades yeah yeah at least at least she didn't bring warren into all of that i mean she kind of did when she was like like oh yeah we used to date but i wasn't in this body so warren probably had to been like what (laughs) like like, what are you talking about but um but yeah yeah, she she does seem to be bringing her baggage throughout her throughout the so it's Betsy's baggage cross time capers now. <laughs> everybody nico here again and this is kevo and so okay you guys might remember kevo from the recent eternals coverage or maybe you're a longtime fan and you've been listening since this guy helped me cover the classic captain britain yeah well today we're here to talk a little bit about maybe something a bit broader in idea now kevo you were recently on the eternals number one coverage yes i was now that title you kind of can't help but notice launched around maybe when the eternals was maybe meant to come out yes i did so there's this super sense of interconnectivity between the marvel cinematic universe and the Marvel Universe proper, and you've always seen it, you know? Absolutely. How can you not try to use visual media to sell the comics? The first one that pops to mind is the connectivity between the Carol as Captain Marvel cover from the comics and the look of the character from the films, but I know it goes back even further than that. I have this really specific memory of Chris Claremont's revolution on Uncanny X-Men around 99-2000 and all of the covers saying, you know, the material here is the movie. Go buy this, because movie movie is here and now they just don't even bother you know where to find them yeah and that's part of what they're working to do i noticed that shang chi eternals and black widow all got new number ones either around the time their film was supposed to come out or it looks like they're going to come out when the film is now going to come out (laughs) but it goes deeper than that now if you're not caught up on the marvel cinematic universe television program wandavision airing currently on disney plus shut this the fuck off and go watch it go watch it but shut this the fuck off or you're gonna get real mad at me right so i'm vamping so everybody has time to get to the stop button if you're flying a plane and listening is that a thing that people can do listen to podcasts while they're flying planes i just realized they made it sound like the plane has a stop button and they're gonna land the plane to listen they might i gotta listen to this podcast right now so we're just gonna have a small delay just it's a it's a refuel in iowa no big deal it's a layover we're gonna land in a cornfield yeah so that actually happened uh the airport we were supposed to land at part of the tarmac caught on fire and until they could figure out where to reroute us they had us like sit in a cornfield it was ridiculous and hot 
so hot. And uh, we anyway, so now if you're watching WandaVision, you may have noticed a surprise cameo this past Friday. And that surprise cameo of Quicksilver certainly stirred up a lot of interest, but I couldn't help but notice kind of a different surprise cameo related to WandaVision. While true, Tommy did make his debut in the previous episode, having been born then, it really wasn't until last episode that Tommy, one of the two twins, really got to thrive. And sure enough, he showed up in the pages of X Factor by Leah Williams. Williams and David Baldon, who we were lucky enough to recently interview, so if you're a fan of X Factor and you haven't checked out that episode, go back and give it a listen. I think you might enjoy it. Now, Kevo, here's my question for you. As more of a, a passive fan of the comics, but a hardcore fan of the cinematic universe, I mean, we've done over 60 episodes about the Marvel Cinematic Universe over on our podcast, HTML, Husbands Talking More or Less, right here on this same network, and I know we're about to dive into WandaVision, and we're going to have a regular, you know, video series, and we're going to be covering these shows, but how do you feel? about sometimes our kind of confusion between the comics and the movies. It's very confusing, in fact, and I know that a lot of fans of both genres who then, on top of that, don't really fully understand the inner workings of filmmaking and contract negotiating are also left very confused. I have seen a lot of fans commenting lately that this is the first time that Pietro has been mentioned on screen since his appearance in Age of Ultron, and in fact, he only appeared as a photograph in the background of Captain America Civil War, and people have kind of complained that Wanda isn't dealing with that grief, but they're legally not allowed to talk about Pietro, or at least they weren't, until Fox was acquired by Disney and Marvel, and now we have that character back, which is why this could be an introduction of Fox's Peter Maximoff as Quicksilver. It could be Evan Peters as a completely different character impersonating Pietro. There's a thousand and one different possibilities based on the film canon and the options that are available to them for Marvel Studios. You guys heard it here first. Rupert Murdoch doesn't let women feel, but they did not hear that here first. This is true. Well, if you guys are looking to understand a little bit more about these relationships between the comics and the movies, and if you're enjoying WandaVision, X is for Podcasts partner show, HTML, also runs right here on the Cage Club Network, along with a number of other amazing shows. And considering how many changes and twists and turns there have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the last two years, we will be putting out an episode soon, one of our famous State of the MCUs, that'll help explain everything that we should be getting in the next few years. And as always, guys, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on Excess for Podcast, we would love it if you guys would subscribe, leave us a like, and even follow us over on Twitter at Excess for Podcast. We do have a Patreon available, and if you'd like to follow it and support, it's pinned over on that Twitter, as well as our amazing show shop where you can get awesome items featuring our logo. Guys, as always, it's a pleasure to talk with you each and every week about the X titles and, in this case, a little bit more with a little bit of help. Kevo, thanks so much for coming out for this. Thanks for having me. And you guys can find Kevo and I over on HTML, on YouTube, and Cage Club, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as me right here on X's for Podcast every week. And guys, keep those mutant gateways open, keep those Krakoan lights lit, and we'll see ya.